Welcome everyone. So this is Greg Ferris. You are listening to the Myobrain podcast. Excuse my raspy voice for a minute in this introduction, but I wanted to get this out so I can get this episode out for everybody this week. So in episode two, I discuss all things CrossFit and life with Katie Trumbetta. Katie is a sponsored athlete through Myobrain and also recently in 2019 has KMOS nutrition coach for Myobrain. So very cool to discuss all things with Katie. We've worked together for about three years now, and she's just been an amazing client uh, representative of Myobrain. In this episode, we discuss things like her rotator cuff surgery in 2017, and how she's made a comeback from that. We discuss some very fun and unique sleep routines that she has, and also we discuss things like how she balances being an athlete with owning a gym. So I hope you guys like the episode. Let me know future content you'd like to see. Thanks. Welcome to episode two of the Myobrain podcast. As you can see, I have one of my athletes here, Katie Trumbetta. We don't have too much structure to this. We're going to just kind of get into the thick of things with getting to know Katie, um, some of the tips and tricks she has with um, being a CrossFit athlete. Like I mentioned in the introduction to this, she is a very high-level CrossFit athlete. I've been working with her for two to three years now. Um, so Katie, maybe give me a quick background on sort of how you got into the sport of CrossFit and how we started working together, I think in 2017, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me today. Uh, before CrossFit, uh, I don't have really much of an athletic background except for some softball, um, growing up. I'm not one of those people who like, I don't know, got hit in the face with my like natural athletic ability and was like, oh, cool, I'll just do CrossFit. And, right. You know, go to the games my first year of doing it. So, uh, yeah, it's been a really long road. I started in January of 2013 after being in college and gaining the freshman, sophomore, junior 15. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, CrossFit gym opened up like a block away from my house and I went and did baseline and had brand cough for like three days. <laughs> And then uh, made my way back there when I got a big kid job and could afford an actual gym membership. Yeah. Um, and just kind of worked my way up from there. So it's been it's been a long road, but um, I actually am part owner of the gym that I started at now. So it's kind of a cool progression. For sure. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people's stories too, especially people at maybe your level that did did a sport, stopped doing that sport in college, <laughs> and then needed sort of an outlet for it. Um, obviously softball is not super transferable as much as like weightlifting would be your gymnastics, at least that the games are not having you hit a ball, but if there is, you may be, um, at a little bit of advantage one day. I, I mean, I'm all for bringing back the softball throw. Yeah. I was going to say that was, that was like one of the, it's pre me, but I've heard, I've heard of that thing. I'm sure that was not a pretty sight. Um, you are exceptionally strong and I have noticed, I think even before I started working with you, I like YouTube your name and you had just some like really odd strength things on YouTube, <laughs> like 20 rep maxes on the back squats and like several and lunges. Videos. I did a 20 rep max on lunges. Yes, and several too. videos too, like not just one attempt. You like every three or four months, you had like a 15 to 20 rep max back squat. So was that something you did with squatting, something you did a lot like in high school, college to train for your sport? Uh, I don't, you know, yes and no, like I never really focused on it. I guess I've been, I was a catcher my whole life playing softball. So I know that that, you know, just 
literally thousands of reps of squatting up and down like that's just gonna build um build some muscles in there but uh yeah i think it was like my freshman year of high school i got like the school squat record in athletic pe and it was like 245 so as a 14 year old i was squatting 245 with like literally no form (laughs) who knows what it looked like um but yeah that was I mean, I don't know. I've, I've always loved squatting. So as far as like that transferring from softball over to CrossFit, like that's about all I got. So right, right. I think I just took that, especially when I first started CrossFit, like, oh, I'm really good at this. I want to do it all the time. So now I, I squat like, I mean, I've talked to you about it before, but I squat like maybe once a month now. Yeah. Um, no and I Olympic, Olympic lift like maybe once or twice a week. So definitely held back on the strength stuff right. in the in recent times and working on other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly an evolution of being good at things where you no longer get to do do them. I'm sure it's it's also nice to throw yourself a bone because no one likes to just get their ass kicked seven days a week in training. Uh, it doesn't really motivate <laughs> right. you to keep going. So right. um, we mentioned started working together in twenty seventeen and again I do remember like sending you a message and being like, hey <laughs> saw you qualify for regionals yada 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 um we worked together for that regional and then you got sixth place this is again regionals is no longer here but essentially it was like top 40 people in these two Mm -hmm. regions they combined there and then the top five from that competition went to the crossfit games that used to be the only way to qualify for the crossfit games you got sixth in that regional and it was Mm -hmm. a pretty you could say objectively the toughest regional, I think, in, for women in the world. That was the year Sarah, Sigma's daughter, moved to yeah. <laughs> Tennessee. Christy Aramo, Brooke Wells, Jessica Griffith. Stacey Delvar. Yeah, her last year too. So it was definitely a whole, whole bunch of studs there. Um, I think we both knew going in there's probably only like one or two spots open unless those few girls made some big mistakes. So that was your also first year at regionals, individual or team. Right. Um, so I think that was a good, as good an experience as you can get without actually qualifying, right? But then I think you had some shoulder issues leading into that. You weren't 100%. And then if, mm-hmm. from my memory, maybe a, you trained for a month or two afterwards and it wasn't really getting better. And you decided to have an actual surgery on that. And you missed the entire 2018 season. So now you're doing the Open. You just did Wadapalooza and all that. So my question for you is, obviously, you went through a, a major injury, not just like, I got to take a week off from squatting, but something <laughs> right. where you missed an entire season. And also, right after the peak of your, so far, it was the peak of your CrossFit career, one spot away, then you right. had to take a year off. So what was that process really mentally for you? <laughs> And any tips or advice you would have for people that have had, or in the future, if they have a major injury like that, how to deal with it um, really psychologically? Yeah, um, I I mean, it was definitely a hard transition going from like peaking at regionals, basically, to, you know, a month out from regionals, like I, I remember I couldn't shut my car door um, with my left arm. So it was a huge kind of like wake up call of kind of basing your entire identity on this success as an athlete and then like not being able to function just kind of in everyday life. So, um, I mean, I think my biggest piece of advice is just 
like start out is just not to ignore little problems that you think like will just go away. Um, I'm really lucky to have a chiropractor at our gym that I've worked with since I started CrossFit. Um, so he was the first person that I saw and was the one who was like, yeah, you should probably go see an, an orthopedic surgeon. Um, so don't ignore your problems, little problems, because they definitely turn into big problems if you don't if you don't handle them. And I, like you said, I had shoulder issues going into regionals. I didn't know what they were. Um, I ended up getting a cortisone shot at one point and like did a tough mutter and oh, felt great God. for like two weeks. And then, you know, I just continued to get worse. So don't ignore things that like, you know, listen to your body. If you think that something is an issue, it probably is. So you at least need to take some time off um, or get it taken care of and looked at as far as coming back after surgery. I mean, like I said, going from being, you know, one of the top 40 athletes in the world to like not being able to change my own shirt or like take yeah. a shower <laughs> by myself was, I mean, it's real. the mental side of it was way harder than any of the physical stuff. Obviously, like the pain is rough because you have trouble sleeping and then like going through physical therapy. Um, I, don't, I tore my rotator cuff. I don't know if we said that, right. but um, fully tore my rotator cuff and had to have that like reattached. Um, so like the pain side of it is something that I think anyone who does CrossFit like can kind of handle just like in our workouts, like if we know it's painful, but we know at the end that there's a reward. So it was kind of the same mentality getting yeah. through like physical therapy and, and healing physically from surgery. Um, the mental side of it was, was even harder, you know, in the, the couple months after I had surgery, like i bought out two of the owners at my gym like we changed the name of our gym we dropped our crossfit affiliate so there's a lot of things going on at once um so i think i changed a lot from that experience of having to go through all that while also kind of building up um building back up as an athlete so it's cheesy to say but like your struggles make you stronger i think like knowing the whole time like if i just keep working like eventually i'm gonna get back to to where I was and even better than I was. Um, it's like that light at the end of the tunnel helps you get through like the, the hardest, darkest parts of any situation. So um, just being positive and surrounding yourself with people that, you know, support you and want to see you accomplish your goal in the end. I didn't have people that were like, oh, you got hurt. You should probably stop CrossFit. Right, right. <laughs> like, I didn't have anyone like that. It was all people who were super supportive. Um, my physical therapist telling me to like, stop taking my sling off to do CrossFit <laughs> workouts. But other than that, like people that were really super supportive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of have two things to add to that. Um, the first thing you mentioned about like nagging things, I think almost any CrossFit competitor can relate to that, right? If you've done CrossFit competitively for longer than a year, it's very mm -hmm. unlikely you've not had like some sort of small <clears throat> knee shoulder back thing. Probably almost <laughs> impossible, right? Um, right just the level of volume, the intensity you're doing, it's just, it's bound to occur. And it's a, it's a very fine line between, okay, my shoulders are kind of achy, but I still can do these muscle ups and yeah. okay, I, I, it hurts so bad that I really can't even like get my technique correct. Right. I think a lot right. of athletes do have a hard time riding that line, like not feeling like a loser by like just the second something hurts backing down, but over time it can yeah. really build up. Right. Um, I, I'm doing a competition, really like my, my first big competition in CrossFit in like mid-May. And I've kind of decided I'm someone that's a lot of like upper body mobility issues. And I've like stretched sometimes. I've worked with a coach to try to improve <laughs> it. And it, it's, it's like gradually improving, but still like the idea of me doing like a 50 pound 
dumbbell overhead squat with good technique is just like, yeah. seems light years away. So I really dedicated, I told myself when I qualify for this competition, I'm gonna do like two months of at least one time a week, like dedicated recovery stuff. So like cupping, acupuncture, um, massage therapy, things like that, that I've never really dialed, I've never really worked with in the past. A little bit because like it gets expensive and also because <laughs> um, I didn't know really the efficacy of it. But I thought to myself, if I'm, I'm obviously working with a whole bunch of athletes and they trust my opinion on some of these things, it'd be nice to have a legit like small sample size for myself on how mm -hmm. beneficial that is, right? So obviously if you can afford some of that preventative stuff treatment, I think that's huge. Um, you know, if you have like some, like I have this front delt sort of pain that's on and off, it's probably some overuse things. And like, I get it like cupped and massaged and I feel dramatically better for a couple yeah. of days afterwards, right? Right. Um, and then I think I lost the second thing I was gonna mention there, but oh, and then corresponding with you after your injury, I think something else is important for people to realize that everyone has their timetable where it's like, I think even in your head, <laughs> you're gonna be back for the open four months here yeah. we go yeah everyone has like okay i had surgery here my surgeon told me i should be ready to go by this date and yeah if you're a crossfitter you're probably someone that's actually like oh that's for the average person at six months right. i'm gonna be three months but even if it is they tell you six months and yeah. you have the expectation at six months you're gonna be able to do straight handstand push-ups again and i think another challenge for anybody yeah. mentally is that if it if it instead is seven, eight, nine months to your 100% sticking with it and not being like overly yeah. aggressive, you know? Be patient. Yeah, my surgeon told me six months and I'd be able to, now coming from someone who like, he's a he's a great surgeon. He's, he's like the shoulder guy for the Cardinals. Like he knows what he's doing, absolutely. Right. But like he told me I was gonna be able to be back to doing all the things that I was doing before surgery at six months. And I competed at HOA exactly a year to the day after surgery. And I was I was 100% in that I was all the way healed, but like as far as strength goes and just being at the same level of, of fitness and competition, like a year post-op, I still wasn't right. back there. Even now it's like, there are times when I'm like, am I back to where I was yeah. before? Like it doesn't hurt, which is good. But as far as like strength and, and fitness, like you just have to be patient. It's just an ongoing battle. Um, and trying not to get hurt again is also an ongoing right, battle. Right. So. Yeah, there's certainly a difference between being back so you can train and right. being back to where you were pre-injury. Those things are yeah. very, very big difference. Like maybe you could snatch six <laughs> months later, but you, I mean, your PR snatch is like 210, 220, whatever. Like you definitely weren't touching those numbers six months yeah. after. It yeah. was like snatching a PVC pipe at six months, right, not right. Yeah. actually snatching. Clear to move, not clear to compete yes. at the CrossFit games. Um, right. Cool, so something else we wanted to touch upon was, you know, you've done CrossFit for five-ish years now. I'm sure not all of that was competitive, but still been in the gym doing burpees yeah. and pull-ups for about five years. Um, <laughs> Only those. <laughs> right. Actually, not only those. Mostly squatting and snatching. Only squats. <laughs> right. Uh, how has your mindset shifted? Obviously, you've become more and more competitive. No, Very few people, I think, start CrossFit thinking, I want to win the CrossFit Games. Um, but how has your mindset shifted from the beginning days? Maybe the things that you value, things you thought were important, the ways that you trained, ways that you ate, all of those things shifted from then till till now. I, I think 
my biggest shift mentally has been from, you know, like measuring my success by um, like how I do at competitions or like my times on workouts, like measuring my success from those things as opposed to measuring success um, kind of as a more dynamic um, topic or subject, you know, like um, even this year in the open, you know, I think I'm in like 60th place right now or something like that. I started out that first workout wasn't great. So it was like 200 something place. So like the, you know, 2014, 2015 me would have just like thrown my hands up and been like, I'm over it. Like, what's even the point now? Um, whereas, you know, 2019 me is like, okay, it's, it's a challenge. Um, nothing ever really has been easy for me <laughs> in this sport. So just kind of shifting the mindset from being, um, you know, seeing struggles as something that like you just throw your hands up at, or you just blame, you know, you blame like, Oh, I was sick or oh, like I'm too short to do well at 19.1. Like right. not just throwing your hands up and like making excuses, but just saying like, okay, this is how I did on this one. Did I do the best I could do? Yes. And then moving on to like, whatever's next, whether it's during the open or the next competition or, you know, whatever it is. And then actively doing things to, to get better you know like uh Wadapalooza we had the handstand obstacles which I'd never actually done before in a competition or been on that like those dimensions of a handstand obstacle um and I didn't finish that workout like didn't even come close to finishing that workout so um one of the perks of being a gym owner is you know we get new equipment so I went and bought a <laughs> handstand obstacle right. while I was in Miami and I was like waiting on my doorstep when I came back so you know did not being defeated by the things that stand in your way just kind of <clears throat> i don't know using them as fuel to the fire right yeah and i think that's a, a very big commonality between the high level competitors obviously in cross or probably any sport versus people mm -hmm. who are more recreational or want to be to that yeah. level is that the same exact thing could happen on the handstand course <laughs> and again no one's like perfect no one is just like no no one fails on a, a thing and be like their immediate thought is like, oh, oh. I'm just going to get better, right? You, you have a power. I was yeah. real pissed. Right, right. Like, Everyone has their kind unhappy. of like pity party and things like that. But as far as, you know, maybe externalizing those things and having it right. drag on, most of the really good athletes that I know and or follow, I almost never see that. Um, yeah. So, the, you know, the handstand thing, a different type of person could have said, well, of course, A, B, and C people beat me. They did it at regionals right. last year. They have this equipment at their gym. I can't be expected right. to compete with them. Or 19.1 right. was insane <laughs> how many people were like, even some really good athletes would just be yeah. like, oh, well, like, there goes my open because I'm not six foot three. I can't do wall balls and rowing. And like, there is some truth to those things, right? Like having right. good equipment does help. Being tall does help growing, whatever. <laughs> but those things aren't changing, right? So right. your mindset of being defeated by that is 100% not going to help you. And I think that that's just the type of person that complains about being short or tall is the same person that complains about their equipment, is the same person that complains about, I have a job, yep. that's why I'm not at the CrossFit Games, right? Um, yep. You could anyone can find a reason why they're not there, right? So, yep. um, before we both rant on that, we probably should move on. Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, uh, something kind of to mention the, the the job part of things. So, I think many still really many com, com, uh, competitive athletes, maybe the top five, ten people at the games are, are mostly full time, um, but even mm -hmm. then, there's big sponsorship um, obligations. They're not just hanging out at home, you know 
365. So you do co-own um, a gym, not a CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. just a gym that does exercise. Right. Um, <laughs> so, and you, when did you actually start? I'm sure you kind of had blended into kind of owning it, but when did you actually officially start that? Um, so uh, we, me and one of the previous owners bought out the other two owners in December of 2000. 17 so a little over a year ago like a year and three months ago um i had been coaching here for three four years leading up to that right um yeah so i think at first glance and still i mean it sure helps in some aspects owning a gym being at the gym all the time is is convenient for training right Um, but there are i'm sure some struggles with sort of balancing that um so what kind of struggles do you have as being, or maybe struggles you can see with owning a gym and or coaching at that gym and trying to train? And um, what are some, again, tips, advice that you may have for someone that, that's trying to combat those two things, training at a high level and also running their gym at a, at a high level? Last couple of years have moved from living 30 minutes away from the gym to living like 90 seconds away from the gym. So as far as like a time aspect, that has been super helpful um, just in being able to get things done. And, you know, if I need to run home and take a shower, run home and grab food or grab my dog, you know, it's super close. So that's helped. Um, as far as just day to day stuff at the gym, you know, I'm kind of the catch all person. So if someone has a question about their account or has a question about, you know, training or classes, or if we have a new person come in, like I'm just the first person that they see. So having to put my like training and, and my needs like behind those of our members and potential members um that's always a little bit of a struggle just because you know you get focused in on a workout and then someone walks in the door and wants to talk about like how they haven't worked out in 10 years and they're ready to start their membership like that's just part of being a gym owner um and our members are actually amazing and i like couldn't ask for a better group of people to be around um in that like they know how important it is to me and they'll you know they respect for the most part the boundaries that are necessary as a a gym owner um to function as a athlete within their own gym but so you know making sure that the people in your gym understand what is important to you and like what you need to do to get to where you are i think like 100 percent of our members are like that um as far as our gym goes and just like when the time comes being able to kind of tune out the noise um and focus on your own workouts and and on your own stuff you know i do a lot of like homework at the gym um as well so being able to like close the door and and know that people will respect your time it's just kind of like an atmosphere that you have to put in place and at on the flip side making sure that people know that you care about them that like if they do need you and you're not in the middle of a metcon (laughs) that like you're gonna be there and you're gonna be you're as equally as supportive of them as they are to you so be good to your members and and they'll be good to you too i think is the main piece of advice i would give people who own gyms don't be selfish and never uh it's never gonna come out the way that you want it to yeah i would i would think that that transparency probably does go a long way. You know, if you mm-hmm. obviously you own the gym, so a lot of it's your members, but also if you're a coach at the gym, really trying to be at that that high level, explain that to whoever your your higher up is, mm-hmm. and you're probably yeah. not going to be getting so much of the attention from the actual members stopping you working out. But right. you know, if if you're trying to train 
and the owner of the gym is like, hey, can I get help with this? Like let them know that be like, hey, I want from one to two thirty every day to just train, right? Yeah. And I'm sure also like didn't get in my mind, like being mentally tough for lack of a better word is probably good right. because there probably are gonna be times you have to like stop in the middle of something to go do yep. some work and then come back to it and need to be like, you know, a little bit compartmentalized of that, right? Yeah. Like if you, you could have just like started an EMOM, mm -hmm. lost a member, come back to finish the EMOM, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So you have to really be able to to stay focused in not some, some great of circumstances. So I think yep. that's uh, some, some good info. So um, if you've listened to episode one with Paige and Andrea, we kind of discussed some recovery modalities, uh, all the fancy stuff people like to talk about, like the power dots and Norma Tech boots and things that I mentioned about the, the cupping, dry needling, all that stuff. There's dozens of things you can do. I think Katie and I are in agreement, probably a lot of people are in agreement that the cheapest and also best form of recovery <laughs> is sleep, right? I, I just mentioned before we got officially on air here that I got like nine and a half hours of sleep yesterday. I'm trying to recovery from a little recover from a little injury I've had, so I wanted to sleep a little bit more. And I was doing some like rowing and I just felt like it was it was um hard to hold my pace at a certain level because I was just wanting to go too fast, right? It felt so good just warming up today. So um my question for you, what are some habits you have in place that kind of help you with getting your your minimum amount of sleep and, and also maybe ensuring you have good quality sleep throughout that time yeah um <clears throat> i don't do like just to follow up um i don't do massages i don't do like float tanks and yeah. or like cupping <laughs> like it's not that i don't want to it's just like a time and and money thing you know so i agree that sleep is the best way to recover um that is cheap <laughs> and also the easiest way to do that. I do, like I said, I have a chiropractor here, so he'll, you know, I'll get adjusted and, and do some like grass turn and stuff sometimes, but it's not a regular thing that I do, but sleeping is something that I do try really hard to focus on. Um, I'm like a, a nine hour a nighter. <laughs> yeah. Like if I get under nine hours, like I can tell, I just don't feel quite as good as I do if I get more than nine. Um, on average, I probably get more like eight if we're being honest, but I can definitely tell a difference. Um, um, if I <clears throat> get a little less than that as opposed to, to more. So uh, in order to get good sleep, I do a few things. I think I'm different than most people than most people in that I like to eat dinner at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. <laughs> um, it's just easier for me to go to sleep like if I have food in my belly, and it always has been. I mean, I remember being like six years old and yelling at my mom that I needed a snack before. <laughs> Like, some things never change <laughs> so she can she can confirm that um but yeah i just i sleep better after i eat and i never i've never noticed a difference in my um you know body composition or anything as long as my numbers for the day are are accurate and the what i should be hitting then it doesn't affect me there um i do take melatonin most nights um but the trick with that is that you have to like be ready to go to sleep when you take it right. <laughs> um you have to take it and all your lights have to be off and you have to be off your phone for it to actually work. So um, I know a lot of people who take it and they're like, it doesn't work for me. Like, well, it has to be dark and you have to be relaxed for it to work. So um, when I do that, it does work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to build on that, like having no light in my room at all, um, 
actually just got a new king size bed. Um, so I took down my curtain because it was like in the way. So I have light in my room right now and I haven't been sleeping as well. Um, so it really does make a big difference. Um, like not being able to see your hand and in, in front of your face type of yeah. light blockage <laughs> is, uh, is what I shoot for. And I always sleep better like that. One thing that's kind of like, I think unique to my situation, but something that people don't think about is I like, like to end conversations before I go to bed so if I have like unread messages or um, basically just like problems that I like know might possibly keep me up or I'm bad about like waking up in the middle of the night and being up for x amount of time um, thinking about these things that like I either need to get done or things I need to say to people um, I always try to end all my conversations like within 30 minutes before I'm like ready to start relaxing um even if it's like 9.30 at night and a member texts me about something, like just a quick response, like, hey, I'll get to it in the morning. And like that right. helps me sleep better knowing that I don't have these things kind of hanging over my head that I have to get to. Uh, the last thing I do is most nights I watch like 20 minutes of like a baking show or like okay. a cooking show just to kind of like turn my mind off. Or I'll read, I mean, I read too pretty frequently, but um Sometimes I'll watch TV and then read for a little bit just because it kind of helps turn my brain off and not be thinking about, you know, the stuff from the day that everyone worries about when they go to sleep. Um, right. And I love to cook and I love to bake. So I, I learn things from these shows. That's a fun ritual. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone watching like specifically watching cooking baking stuff before they go to bed that's funny like watch guy fieri before you go to bed and i promise you'll sleep better. that's good it's good that you would do that the routine of like eat a big meal then watch mm -hmm. that as opposed to there, like the see, opposite way around food just apparently relaxes <laughs> that's true yeah that's very funny i do think the the food thing is i don't want to say counterintuitive to some people but i think if you ask yeah. most of them they would say I want to go to bed on a more of an empty stomach, but I'm a little yeah. bit in favor of what you mentioned too with, um, you don't have to really gorge yourself, but I do think for most yeah. people, um, <clears throat> just think about it. Like a lot of people will just anecdotally say like, I ate a big meal and I got sleepy. You know, like people yeah. say that all the time. And <laughs> right. there's actually some decent research on like having a, a high glycemic, like high glycemic carbohydrate before you go to bed, improving mm -hmm. like your, your, um, sleep quality. I think it was specifically on the, the time you would fall asleep, right? I'm not really advocating people have to structure their day with having a high no. glycemic carb like rice before, but I think if you're someone that struggles with sleep, having your dinner or having a snack close to bedtime, at least something to play around with. All the right. other things you mentioned are fairly standard things about like a cool room, right. dark, turning your mind off. Um, I do agree with you as well that probably reading is the best thing to do because you don't really have light, but right. also reading doesn't really help a lot. At least for me, it doesn't help a lot. If I'm feeling kind of anxious and thinking about things and I start to open up a book, I really can't turn yeah. that off. I pretty much look at right. words and like think of what I'm thinking about, right? Yeah. But if I watch like Parks and Rec and it's like this dumb <laughs> right. humor, and that kind of like helps me switch into that. So yes. if I could like prescribe my perfect routine, it would be mm -hmm. like, 10 to 15 minutes of stretching while I'm watching some Parks and Rec, some junk show, and then mm -hmm. like 10 to 20 minutes of reading, right? Just for, it's easier for me to turn my brain off that way. Some days I can just read for a long time. But um, again, just because there's some, a little bit of light in a TV show, don't be afraid of like 
help you. I think it'll, for most people, it's still a net positive if you're feeling kind of anxious to have a little bit of light. Yeah. Um, I think the phone thing is probably a more common issue yeah. for our generation of people like Instagramming and, and not just the light, but also the emotion of it. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, my friend got engaged or like, oh, this person did a PR or whatever. Like, yeah. there's so much of that tied into it. So I think, um, that can be a bigger issue for people than just the actual like light on, on their face. Yeah, so, I agree. Cool. And uh, I, and I'm not perfect either. Right. Like, there right. are definitely no nights one... where I'm like Instagramming until 1130 and I'm like, dang it, I need to go to sleep. For sure. So, yeah. No, but one... if you can, you know, do your best most nights to, to keep to the same routine, then I think that we're all fine. Yes. I think that's just like, the, you have macro goals every single day. Like you don't hit those every single day, right? Like there's days where you right. go have what's that Culver's stuff, whatever. <laughs> yes, um, and Culver's. you have some cheese sticks <laughs> and you don't count them. Like, but you're talking about cultivating habits. These are things right. that we all attempt to do more often than we don't, and we notice a difference right. probably when we do them versus when we don't. Uh, right. Last few things here. So this is actually an interesting question. I think it's probably um, unique for everybody. What type of, and probably cool for you because you own the gym, so I'm sure you're in charge of this most of the time. Maybe uh, not. Um, that's debatable. But, uh, <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to? I'm sure it varies a little bit um, yeah. while, while you train. Um, It's quite eclectic. It jumps back and forth between like country, um, a lot of 90s hip hop. Uh, the one thing that I like will turn off every time it comes on, no matter what, my workout is is Eminem. Like I just oh, can't wow, listen. Okay. I don't know why. Like I just, I. It's like too angry or yeah. something. I don't know. I just can't. Like it just, you get that like annoying feel, feeling in your belly. You know when you hear music that you don't want to listen to. So uh, if I'm in control of the radio, there will not be any Eminem on. Uh, surprisingly, I don't always get to listen to what I want to listen to because I do work out like at the same time as other people, even oh, if we're not doing the same thing. And I don't really care that much about the music that's on. Like I don't want to work out in silence, but I, I'm not super picky about it. So I generally will let someone else. But like our my co-owner, like he loves the Doors. So like in the last five years, I've become a Doors fan because yeah, like cool. it's just always on. Um, it, I mean, Easy E is on when I am alone, but <laughs> it's a little inappropriate um, as far as the entire gym goes. We have a lot of like moms and grandmas here. Yeah. <laughs> who I don't know if they want to listen to Easy E. They might be closet I mean, fans. I mean, I, I, have I told you at HOA, like in the starting corral, I like went up to the DJ and was like, Hey, will you play some easy for this next workout? You crushed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it came on and I went faster. So Is that the burpee um, workout? Uh, no, it's a dumbbell snatch one. The one where it was like synchro oh. dumbbell snatches and toes to bar. Yeah, yeah. It was that one, which I had to keep up. I had to keep up with Shane McBride anyway, so I couldn't really slow down. But yeah, yeah, there definitely are those um, artists or songs that just kind of give you a really good euphoric feeling. Um, Yeah, I'm similar to you in that. um, Maybe I'm just more of a diva, but like I have. Um, not that I, again, much like you, I don't really care that much, but if I could like choose when I'm doing like, like skill or like intentionally lower intensity things, I like to actually have like a slower pace thing going. I just don't want to like 
the weird thing for me is like doing an EMOM and there's just like this EDM like and I'm just so like, loud. It, yeah, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I almost feel lazy when I'm doing it because I feel like I should be like moving faster, right? But then like when it's 12 minute AMRAP important yeah. time, I'm much like, right. I just kind of want some like hardcore gross rap yeah. going. Right. I don't do a lot of hard, aside from like 90s, like Easy and Dr. Dre, like I don't do a lot of rap. Drake sometimes, but I don't know. I'm like, I like to work out when I'm happy. I yeah. it, like, I'm not one of those people who like gets really angry and like can PR lift because you're so angry yeah. or like get mad and do better. Like, like uh, 19.2, I like made a playlist for that. And the first song was Christina Aguilera, Come On Over Baby. And I just like cranked it and like started my toes bar, Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. I I work out to happy music better than I do, you know. Yeah. Anything else? I I kind of agree with you too on the not just Eminem specifics, but anything to me that's like overly inspirational or motivational yeah. actually gives me the opposite direction. Yeah. Like, please stop. I don't need this. Right yes. Now. Like um, what's the Eminem song? Uh. The like spaghetti song. The mom, the mom spaghetti yeah, song. Like, yeah, lose, lose yourself in the moment. Like if I'm getting ready to do an important workout and I hear that, I'm like, this is too much like a movie. I need to like do something <laughs> different to go on. So I definitely agree with just like there's a limit to how cheesy and like you know uh, a song can be. So uh, last question I have down here. So um, I'm sure owning the gym, being in school competing in crossfit you have tons of free time right so but, much um so how do you sort of wind down outside of the gym i think um again a lot of competitors it's very easy to get caught up in like maybe what other people are doing or um maybe the, the holes that you see in like my nutrition or my training or whatever so what are some things you kind of do to just to chill out outside of the gym so you can maybe focus on being an athlete in there and being a normal person um, outside of the gym any just like things you're watching books you're reading other hobbies you have stuff like that yeah uh it's definitely hard to like take like not take your work home when you are an athlete and also own the gym so um it's hard like you know i'll find myself like hanging out with my boyfriend with like my computer out like furiously typing away right. <laughs> you know an assignment or like someone's account or an email or something um so it's really hard to turn it off but um if i'm not around like electronics it's a lot easier um like i tried rock climbing not that long ago which was super fun and if it didn't like completely tear apart my hands and <laughs> forearms and everything like i'd like to do it more often maybe more in like the off season right um but we even my stuff that's like outside of normal gym stuff is still like involved with the gym like we have a book club right. <laughs> um we like you know all like my friends that are my best friends are also members here um so we try to like go out to eat as like a group of girls you know at least once a month or once every couple months a couple of my friends from high school live like close to this area too so we try to get together sometimes too i'm actually currently planning my 10-year high school reunion so oh, that's super exciting um yeah and I, like i said i just watch like a little bit of tv before i go to bed currently watching mad men before bed is a really bad choice so <laughs> i don't recommend doing that <laughs> because it's like causes a lot of anxiety and i've been having bad dreams if anyone's watched mad men it's very like dramatic so um not recommending that stick to like the baking shows and <laughs> <laughs> baking and parks and rec baking is fun. Ba 
Baking in Parks and Rec. Um, but other than that, you know, I have a nephew who is almost two. Um, so I, he lives about two hours away. So I go up and try to see him and my sister and brother-in-law um, every once in a while. But other than that, just, you know, day to day, eat sushi every couple weeks with my friends and <laughs> try to be as chill as possible outside of the gym. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's important. I would say it's obvious, but I think a lot of people that just look at top athletes in other sports, especially in CrossFit, because it's a little bit, you seem closer to these people than you actually are because you can like right. go to Wadapalooza and like touch Rich Froning, right? Or be in the heat yeah. before him. Um, <laughs> right. But a lot of people have the idea that these people like yourself literally just like wake up, have your oatmeal, go to the gym, row, come back, <laughs> take a nap, go home, snatch. And like, that's what your every oh. single moment is around. And the truth is like, you probably spend an hour or two more in the gym than most people. You're probably mm -hmm. just more focused in your time there. You are more diligent about your movement and things like that. You eat better. Mm -hmm. But from 7 to 11 p.m. on a Tuesday night, you're probably not doing anything different than everybody else, right? So mm -hmm. um, as an, I think it's important as an aspiring competitor, maybe, you don't have to yeah. be like a hermit, right? Like maybe no. you don't go out and get drunk on a Tuesday, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. It doesn't hurt you to go like have a social life or to just do normal activities. Um, you probably would be surprised how much people like yourselves and Frazier and Tia, whatever, how normal they are outside of just yeah. being on a competition floor, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I think deep down, all of us kind of perfect. We're like eighty years old on the inside, and that like we like to go to bed at like nine p.m. and like we don't want to go out and drink on a random, you know, Thursday night. So there are parts of um, parts of it that feel like you're kind of forcing yourself to to stay away from those things, but at the same time, like. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go out and drink. Like I right, just want right. to hang out with my friends and eat sushi. So I, I think that that's kind of something that elite athletes all have in common is that like your wants and needs reflect like your goals without even really thinking about it. So um, we're all normal in that like we go out to eat. We, you know, like there are days when I eat Culver's and I don't track my macros. There are days when I like decide it's probably a better idea to like go for a walk than do my 20 minute Metcon, like, you know, we're, I don't know, we're average people. It's just our goals are a little bit different than the average person. Yeah. That's really something that I noticed about, <clears throat> about yourself too, is that, um, not to put anybody else on blast, but more of my intermediate athletes are the people that mm -hmm. won't do that that like yeah. won't go somewhere and not track their macros yeah and won't not do their 20 minute amrap that's written down for them yeah. and some of the top end athletes that i work with they are more okay with that of like you know what greg i didn't feel like tracking today so i didn't yeah. deal with it you know yeah. or like you know what like my shoulder just hurt so i did this exercise not that exercise it's actually you guys are still hyper focused on what you're doing right but you're not blind to other things I do have to say that I feel like that is something that you kind of earn as an elite athlete because for years I was that person that was like um, a little bit less with my nutrition, but as far as like right. working out goes, like I remember leaving on, it was either like Thanksgiving or Christmas day one time because it was like, 
the workout was written. Like I had to go do it. Yeah. My family was like, why are you leaving to go work out in an empty gym, like by yourself right now on this family holiday? And I'm like, I have to do it. So we've all been there. You know, I, I think even the elite people who now are like a little bit smarter with it, um, we've all been there. And I think now I just realized like the risk to reward of, of, being that person, like, it's just not worth it. Like, in the end, you're just going to burn out faster um, because you are so hyper-focused on this thing. Like, you have to let yourself live a little. The people that are super hyper-focused, I think, are the ones who have, like, one or two super successful seasons and then are just, like, in any sport and then are just, like, done because they just can't live up to that standard and they can't keep those, you know, they can't keep that same lifestyle long-term. Right. Yeah, I agree. So that was good information, guys. Um, again, this was Katie Trombetta, and thank you guys for listening to episode two. Thanks.